I appreciate the folks who were baptized and their families who came to support them. Let me say just a, a word about baptism because it's so misunderstood in the church today. In the New Testament era, at the time that the church was beginning, there was never any confusion because the word baptizo can only mean dip, plunge, or immerse. Years later, there was some old guy that tried to sneak into heaven being dry cleaned. They found out he hadn't been baptized, so they took a, some water and poured on him and said, that's going to have to do. And, uh, but, and then they started practicing sprinkling. But the word for sprinkle is a whole different word. It's rontidzo, where we get the word rain, and, it, and uh, that's why I have a sign back here when it says you've been gypped if you ain't been dipped, because in the New Testament era, baptism was the immersion of a believer in Jesus Christ, and initially only adult baptism was practiced. Now, what we're, I'm going to have to truck right along here a little bit because of the time that was taken for those baptisms, which I'll be glad to give up any time. Um, so I want you to notice that we're talking about Jesus as the King of Kings. When you look in the New Testament and you want to find Jesus being addressed as a king, because he sort of stayed away from that and only referred to himself as the Anointed One, the word Messiah or Christ simply means the anointed one. And a king, of course, is always anointed. A discussion about that, however, took place in, uh, between Jesus and Pilate. Jesus had been arrested for dis essentially disturbing the peace but by his followers, but uh, they were accusing him of causing uh, an uprising against Rome, which was a lie, but that's what he was accused of. And in the conversation that took place between Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman emperor, a Roman governor over that area, it goes something like this. It's found actually in the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John. And uh, Pilate said, you know, am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. So what is it you've done? Jesus said, now get this, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, Pilate I am a king, and he'll say so in a minute, but I'm not in competition with you because my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Now, so he says, if it were, if, I, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify of the truth, and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And that's when Pilate asked that question, uh, you know, what is truth? Now, I remember on one of the first trips that I went to Israel many, many years ago, we used to stop, we flew Swiss Air, and we were on the way back, and we'd take a couple of days to rest up because it's kind of a, a grind when you're there for several days, up early, up late, go hard. And so we'd stop there, and we, we landed at Zurich and then took a bus down to Lucerne. 
And I didn't know it at the time, but uh, there's a mountain just outside of Lucerne called Mount Pilatus. Mount Pilatus was named after Pontius Pilate because we're told, uh, and this is difficult to, to get in history and to nail down, but tradition says that when Pilate messed up things there in Israel, that the, uh, that the uh, Caesar transferred him up to the German front, which was, in this particular case, the Germanic tribes were strong all through that, uh, France, Germany, uh, Switzerland area. And so, uh, and the rumor was that he died there, and that mountain is, is named for him. Now, I want you to look closely at your little study sheets here so that we can move along. Because one of the things that we're talking about is Jesus is not only king, he's going to be the only, left, the only one left standing. That's the reason in another passage it refers to him and as in a song we sang the hallelujah. Of course, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the reason that he is because he's the only one that's left standing. All the others are going to go. Now, and then now we have coming uh, in, this, in the text that I'm going to read from the second chapter of the book of Matthew. The, we've got the Magi coming from the east actually from Babylon in what is modern-day Iraq and Iran. And uh, they were, that was the Persian Empire. And these, the, who were the Magi? We really don't know. We think, however, that when the Medes attacked the Persians and, and tried to take over that whole area there, they, they finally failed. And they think that they accepted the role of being uh, the religious leaders in the Babylonian Empire. They studied the stars, they studied a lot of things. And if you, in, if you read the funny sheet in the paper and you look over and you read the horoscopes, that's essentially what they believed. They followed the stars or the horoscope. Actually, in, in a synagogue along not very far off of the, uh, uh, the Jordan River, when you go up the Jordan from Jericho back up to, toward Galilee, in the basement of the synagogue there, there's actually a horoscope on the, on the floor. Uh, and it's kind of interesting that even the Jews who came back from Babylon carried some of that with them. And so th that's essentially who they thought they were. Um, they interpreted dreams. They did all kinds of superstitious stuff. And, and that's all I'm going to say about them for the time being. And let's go now. Let's read the text and then uh, from the second chapter of the, of the Gospel of Matthew and then discuss it, and I'll try to get you out pretty close to on time. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Because when the king gets disturbed, everybody's disturbed. It's kind of like a home. Mama disturbed, everybody's disturbed. So when he called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where's the Messiah or the Christ to be born? Their answer, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is where the prophet had written, 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of the Judah, for out of you will come a ruler and who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Initially, of course, that was David. Then Herod came, called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Now, he had a, he had a reason for that. We'll see in a minute. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, Report to me, so that I too may go and worship him, which was a lie. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east then went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When he saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, circle the word house in your Bible. It has significance. This is not a stable and it's not straw in a manger. This is a house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him, and this is the big deal, and presented him with gifts of gold and incense of a myrrh, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm going to ask the Lord why he gave us a sinus when I get to heaven, but that'll have to wait. I want you to look carefully here now because, and follow me along, because Herod was having a fit of paranoia. I mean, he was having a hissy fit. He was paranoid. Anybody that threatened to be able to be a king other than him, he wanted to... to get rid of him. And so he was checking to see who this guy was that might replace him. His whole idea in mind was, so I can kill him. And uh, because Herod had a, a reputation of being a great builder, he, had, he did a lot of good things. He actually, he rebuilt the temple. It was called Herod's Temple. Uh, rebuilt Solomon's Temple there. It was the third time. He, uh, he, he was an interesting old character, and so I, I, I put his rap sheet down here for you so you could see what kind of a bird he really was. He murdered his first wife, Mary Amy, and her mother, or his mother-in-law, Alexandria. Now, I can see a guy wanting to bump off his mother-in-law, but uh, I don't understand why he wanted to kill his wife, but he did. Not, not only did he murder Mary Amy and Alexandria, his mother-in-law, he, like David, had kids grow up who kind of aspired to be the king. He killed them too. He, his oldest son, was called, his name was A-N-T-I-P-A-T-E-R, Antipater. And so he killed him, and then he had two other boys that kind of had aspirations, and so he just killed them all. The other two boys were named Alexander and Aristobulus. He murdered both of them. It was so bad, his reputation is so bad, and you'll see it even gets worse before we're done. It was so bad that Caesar Augustus said that it is safer to be Herod's pig than it is to be his son. Now, actually, when you see the Greek language, there's a play on words there because the word for pig and son are close. Now... Herod actually lived to be 70 years old before he died. He retired 
and went to, uh, to Jericho because that was a real plush place then to live. Good clean water. It stayed about 90 degrees or so, 85, 90 degrees year round. Plenty of fresh fruit. It was a lovely place. Still is. And uh, so he, he finally was, uh, he finally died there. And, and uh, he, he uh, before, he, when, he, when the doctors told him he was dying, he had his soldiers to go into Jerusalem and to arrest and put in prison the most prominent people in all of Jerusalem. The names that everybody would recognize. Had them put in prison. And he told them, the minute I die, you kill all of them. Because he said, I want tears to be shed when I die. Let that soak in a little bit. You know what kind of a bird he was? He was an evil cuss. He wasn't even Jewish. Part Jewish. He was Edomian. Uh, and, uh, and that... And he knew the Jews hated him for that, so he wasn't high on their list. Now let's go to part two. And in it, I simply say, the bankers come to Bethlehem. Now why did I say that? Because Babylon was the richest place in all the ancient world. It was, it, it was the banking center of the ancient world. You remember when Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world at the time? He was born in, the, in about 350 B.C. and died about 325 or 6 B.C. And, in the, and, and Alexander the Great, when he, came, when he kind of quit fighting in India and came back, he retired in Babylon. Why? Why? And he wanted to, and he early on conquered Babylon because there was, it was Fort Knox. There was gold piled everywhere. And he needed that gold in order to subsidize his army. And then it was, there's still piles of it there when he came back. And even at the time of Jesus, under the Roman Empire, it was still loaded. It was a very rich place. And so these, these, uh, these magi had access to the bank. And, they, and so they, they brought gold, and gold was what you always present to a king. King, he didn't want any cheap stuff. He wanted the real a cake of gold, a coin of gold. And, and so what, what the Magi brought him was gold incense. Now, incense is always what is used by the priest. You know, if you, even today, you see in, in churches that have priests, they have that incense that they go stink up the place with. And, uh, uh, and then the last one was myrrh. Now, myrrh is, is what is used to, to, to treat the body of dead people. And, and, and the reason for this, and they didn't know what they were doing. It was all very expensive stuff. And, but it all had symbolism, too. Jesus was to be the king of his kingdom. Uh, he was to be the priest. After all, he became prophet. And in the book of, uh, of Hebrews, he became a, a prophet, priest, and king in his kingdom. Now, the myrrh was there because he was born to die that men might live. He came into the world for that purpose, to die. That was a part of the deal. Because his death was the basis of giving us life. 
But the reason the guys came, the Magi came and got there at the right time was because this goofy Herod said, look, from what the Magi told me from the first time I saw that star to now, it could be up to two years. And so let's send my troops down to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a village. It was, it's a city now of several thousand people. Then it was a village. And, it, and primarily around the village, they grew grain because it, it really means house of bread. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. So they grew a lot of wheat and barley and oats, uh, no corn as we know it. And they had lots of sheep. And they still do, by the way. And so uh, Herod sent his soldiers down there to kill all the babies two years old and under. The Lord warned Mary and Joseph that this is going to happen. These were poor people living in a house they probably had rented. And he was plying his trade as a carpenter. Just making ends meet, living from hand to mouth. How could they afford to run? The Lord said, get going and head for Egypt. The bankers showed up, the, the Magi showed up from the bank. They'd made their withdrawal from Babylon. They brought it and presented it to, to Mary and Joseph. And it was the bankroll for them to get to Egypt and to live in Egypt long enough for Herod to die and then come back and afford to come back to Nazareth. So what you, what you have to figure out here. The Magi's only reason for being there was to bring the bucks. That's it. It's just like when I go to my children's house. They don't care about me. They care about the bucks that I bring. I got credit cards. We go out to eat. You don't know about that? You will. You will. You know. Anyway. So, and you must understand, that was the only important reason that the Magi showed up at the house of Mary and Joseph. To bring them the financial support needed to carry out what they had to do. God said, get out of here, run as fast as you can before the troops get here and kill the babies. So they went down to, uh, to Egypt and around the Mediterranean down to Egypt. Stayed there until Herod died. Then they came back. Okay. Now let's go to three. Here's what I've said. Don't let the unusual distract you from the essential. Look at that carefully. Now why did I say that? Because the unusual things that's going on here is, is the goofy Herod, the Magi. People get all excited. And the Magi... You know, and, and, and people get confused about it. Don't you get, credit, uh, get uh, Christmas cards with Jesus laying in a manger and the Magi coming? They messed that up. The Magi probably didn't come for up to two years after Jesus was born. And the reason they came then is because that's when Herod had made up his mind to kill everybody and they needed the money to get to Egypt. God said, here's the deal. If you're not awfully careful, you can get all excited about Herod and the Magi and all that stuff and miss the fact that the hand of God is guiding this thing from the get-go. God caused those people 
to make the withdrawal from the bank in Babylon to bring it to Bethlehem. That was the hand of God moving here. It was the hand of God that said, Okay, Joseph, you and Mary get out of town and head for Egypt. Because this baby it has to live until it's time to die. And so we have the hand of God involved here. And if you miss that, you've missed everything. If you go over to the fourth chapter of the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul talks about it. And he, just, he says, when the stars were fully aligned, you and I would say when we have our in a row, a what? We have all our ducks in a row. Same thing. Get things, because if you ever watch ducks, they, there's a lead duck, and then all of the rest of them going along. Uh, you any idea why they follow each other like that? Do you ever any idea why there's a, when you see the geese flying through the air, why they got that one goose out there in front, and the rest of them are there following right this, like this? I could have one of these guys that's all wrapped up in, in, in racing, and they could tell you. A car that's going around in front of you, the guy gets right in behind him as close as he could get behind him. You know why? There's less resistance, and he doesn't use as much gas. This duck knows that if the, if the duck in front of him parts the water, he can go with less effort. You need to learn things like that. You can go home and say, I know all about ducks and geese. You know, I learned it at church. All right. So the Apostle Paul says when all the stars were in a row, because that's the big deal then, they were stargazers. God sent forth his son, born under the law, to be sure, born of a virgin, born under the law, for the single purpose of redeeming mankind. Now, if you miss everything else and don't get that, you've missed, you've just got the historical stuff without getting the message. And the message is, God entered human history. God entered human history. His creation, he came for the purpose of making it possible for them to come back to him. Been alienated, separated. And he talks about that for the Gentiles having been separated. And so now he's saying, I have a plan. And my plan is all wrapped up in a baby coming, being born in Bethlehem when the stars are all in a row. And, 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 and that baby is going to live until I say it's time to die. The hand of God was manipulating human history. Now what you may not, when you need to get in your head, is God is still at work in human history. And if you're a Christian, and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then God is present in this building today because you brought him. Now, he doesn't live here unless you live here. Because God lives in people, not buildings. The church is not a building. It's people. You meet under an oak tree or wherever. That's the church. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there with you. And you need to understand that. Now... So don't, don't get all wrapped up in this historical stuff and miss the real point. And the real point is this. 
is God is participating in human history and will continue to until the end of human history. There is a plan, and, 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 and we, we need to talk about that. It's, it's actually, I like to refer to it as God's rescue plan. God is in the process of rescuing people like you and me. And I'm going to read these, five, these verses starting at, at verse 5 here in the, in the fourth chapter. Now, here's what he says. To redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Get that. In the eyes of God, when you become a Christian, these folks here who've been gypped, haven't been gypped because they've been dipped. Now, they can refer to themselves as having been born into God's kingdom because baptism is a picture of the new birth into the kingdom of God. That's what it pictures. The bursting of the water of the womb and the giving of life and the breathing. Baptism is a picture of buried, raised, breathing, live again. And now, and he says, because you are sons, God sent his spirit of his son into your heart, your body, the spirit that calls out daddy, father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you an heir. H-E-I-R. That means that you are going to be a part of the will of God. And when his will is read, your name is going to be in it. I've been, I had that happen to me one time. That's more exciting than sex. I'm telling you, it is really an exciting time. I had to wake you up a little. And now, now here's the point that I want you all to get, and then you can, that I want you to go home with. Okay, we've established this, I hope, that... The real point here is not a a crazy old king. The real point here is not a bunch of of, of, uh, people who don't really know what they're there for, coming from Babylon to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to give to Mary and Joseph to bankroll their trip down to Egypt. That's all nice and you need to know it, but that's not the big deal. Here's the essential part of it. God created everything, right? All right. That creation looks a little bit like this. He started off with the chemicals of dirt. By the way, the chemistry of your body and the chemistry of dirt is exactly the same. He created you out of it, and you're going to go back to it. So we start off with chemicals. And right above the chemicals is plant life. Trees, wheat, all that kind of stuff. Weeds came along with the help of the devil. Okay? Above plant life, there's animal life. Sheep, goats, cows, horses, camels. Camels, if you go to Jerusalem with me sometime, if I ever get back, camel is called the, the, uh, the Jerusalem Cadillac, and, and, uh, and, uh, and the donkey is called the Jerusalem Jeep when you get over there. That's what they call them because they've ridden those things. I just want to throw that in. And above animal life is human life, you and I. And above that, at the ver- above that is God himself. Now, when God created things, for those of you who are engineers and educated, there's, there's, a, there's a thing called thermodynamics. And there are laws of thermodynamics, and God created them, so they work that way. Thermodynamics uses uh, heat to illustrate it. That's the reason the word is thermal there, being heat. 
and, and, and I don't have time to put the formulas up, and I couldn't if I tried because I'm not that smart. But it really boils down to this. It's a heat exchange concept, and in thermodynamics, warm heat never of its own accord goes to warmer heat. Warm heat, if you open the door, cold, that warm heat goes to the colder. Now, now, that's important to remember. Here's the principle. The lower never comes up unless what's up reaches down and pulls it up. Now, let's use that same principle to illustrate what God has been doing here. You have chemical life. Here it is. Bottom of all of God's creation. The only way that chemical life can be transformed into something above its existence is if what's right above it reaches down and gets it and pulls it up. Plant life, by its very nature, puts roots down into the chemicals of the soil and brings it up and transforms it into plant life. Anytime it's brought up, it is actually transformed into something different than what it was originally. It's still a chemical, but it has been changed into plant life. And the only way it could do that is for the roots to go down and get it and to pull it up and transform it. Right above plant life is animal life. What does an animal do? An animal reaches down, gets the plant life, consumes it, and it's transformed into a T-bone. Or any of the rest of them's all right with me if you invite me over. It's okay. But it's transformed into lamb chops or, or whatever. And you see, the, the plant life then is transformed into something totally different from what it was in appearance. And the only way it could get from plant life to animal life was for the animal to get it and to bring it up. God created it that way. And when it's Consumed by the animal, it is transformed. And here's the human up here who really has it made. Here's Bessie the heifer or, or El Toro the bull or whoever you want here. And so we slaughter him. We give him to Mama. Mama puts him in the oven and Fixes that sucker with some good French fries, cat soup, a little salt. Don't put that junk on it to ruin the steak. You know, that A1 and B1 and C1, whatever that stuff. Stay away from that. And we eat it. Now, and that is transformed from animal life into human life. And the only way that it could get from animal to human is for the human to exercise his authority over it and change it and consume it, and it's transformed. You don't hear very many people going, Bleh. I mean, it is transformed. Now, you hear a lot of this, but it's transformed in from animal life to human life. Now, I go through all of that to get to what's really important here. Because Christmas, Christ coming, coming to earth as a baby, 
is God reaching down to get a hold of turkeys like you and me to lift us up and transform us into something we could never be if the hand of God hadn't come to us. Are you with me? And so God simply followed the principles of creation in order for you and me to be the new creation in Christ Jesus. And the beauty of it is when he lifts down and lifts us up and we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ in the will of God, we're transformed from the natural to the spiritual. From the kingdoms of this world to the kingdoms of our Lord. And his kingdom is eternal. And you and I, because God reached down and lifted us up and his grace and his goodness and his mercy came down to sinners who were trapped in our situation and lifted us up and transformed us all who will put their faith in Jesus Christ. Have you? If you haven't, what are you waiting on? God has come to you and said, I will lift you up, I'll include you in my will if you'll repent of your sins and claim Jesus as your Savior. Now the ball's in your court. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your word that so, makes it so clear who we are and what we can become when you reach down and get a hold of us and put your Holy Spirit within us. Issue us citizenship in your kingdom that is a kingdom without end. And I pray, Father, if there are folks here this morning who haven't done that before this year closes, they too can become new creatures in Christ Jesus, transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word operating within us. Dismiss us with a sense of your presence. Lord, keep us conscious of who you are and your presence within us. Bless us, Father, for we have sinned and need your blessing. And we thank you for having redeemed us from our own selves and from the temptation and the allurement of this world of things and power and all that stuff that just corrupts us and transforms us into children of yours. Dismiss us, I pray again, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Happy New Year. God bless you. You're free to go.